0: Welcome to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Griego Kyle, on behalf of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. In this podcast, I discuss sustainable impact investing, how to create portfolios that match your values, and a variety of other topics such as financial education, environmental sustainability, social justice, and sustainable food systems. Do you want to know if your investments seek the kind of accountability from corporations that you demand? Listen in as I explore the burning question, are you investing like you give a damn?
1: Hello and welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Grego-Kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. Kim, what's going on?
0: It's raining today. What in I know in Oregon, can you (laughs) believe it? (laughs) The
1: the Northwest, you're kidding me.
0: (laughs) I'm in the Pacific Northwest now and it's raining. Yeah, yeah, but I love the rain, it's so fantastic. (laughs) I do too. It's very, it's very nice. Everything is so green here. Yeah, it is, and it smells good in the middle of winter.
1: Mm, Yeah, so yeah, Yeah. it's great. Very true.
0: I I do have a really, I have a return guest today.
1: Oh, nice. All right.
0: So um, let me tell you about him. My my guest is Samuel Adams, or Sam, as we like to just call him, and he is the CEO of Vert Asset Management. He's it's an amazing fund, several funds that he has, and we've been using them for a while uh, now at Horizons. And so I wanted to have Sam on because he wrote an article recently that I found. Very interesting and very talkworthy. So, Sam, thanks for coming onto the podcast today.
2: Well, I'm I'm, I'm really glad to be here. It's an honor to be a repeat guest, <laughs> uh, and I'm glad we have something talkworthy to talk about.
0: Yeah. So, if people are wondering when Sam was on before, it was um, episode fifty-seven, and when I had several guests from a, a conference that we all attended to. So, those were fun interviews, little snippets. But yeah, so. What else do you want to tell me about or tell the listening audience about yourself, Sam, before we dive in?
2: Oh, uh, you know, the standard uh, story, been in financial services for decades and finally managed to figure out how to extricate myself from the conventional side and move to sustainability. And now I get to practice my passion and it's wonderful. That's that's great.
0: Yeah, I'm glad to hear it. I think that happens a lot of times in um, in our business. Why don't you why don't we start out by talking about the um most recent fund that you have which is a real estate strategy right. and you are just talking about moving into sustainable investing and it being your passion tell us exactly how real estate fits into that model and why Great you question. started the fund yeah
2: yeah we so we started vert to be a sustainable investment manager <clears throat> And one thing that we realized was that financial advisors in particular, were a lot of them were kind of late to the sustainable investing party. And um, when we went around and asked them why they weren't embracing sustainable investing yet, some of them said, well, we don't have the the right investment tools, right investment funds and ETFs to do that. And one area in particular that they pointed out was real estate. Um, Five years ago, when we launched this strategy, there wasn't a dedicated environmental, social and governance or sustainable investment strategy in real estate in a mutual fund or an ETF that advisors and investors could easily use. Um, And that was somewhat surprising um, because real estate, here's some shocking statistics for you. Um, Oh,
0: Eric loves statistics. Are you ready, Eric?
1: (laughs) Bring them on. Let's go.
2: These are so shocking, you don't even have to write them down. Um, buildings use 40% of the world's energy and create 33% of the world's greenhouse gases. Um, so it's a huge part of the climate problem, right? The, the the our real estate, or the environmental footprint of real estate, is absolutely massive. Um, and we also, as human beings, on average, spend 90% of our time indoors. Um, it's raining in Oregon, right? So you want to be indoors right now. <laughs> But that so it also has a buildings have a huge impact on our human health, and our well-being and our interactivity and all of those social dimensions as well. So real estate plays a big part uh, in our lives uh, and it's important for people and planet. And so um, we felt for the two reasons, the lack of an available product and because it has such an outsized influence on sustainability, we, we wanted to do a strategy in real estate first
0: that is a really great point and i'm not sure that a lot of investors are thinking about it in those terms like oh it's 40% of the the electricity used right so you said yeah the, i mean the,
2: it's, we all start with the energy right we we, yeah. we use oil and gas and renewables to make electricity but the users of that electricity if you think about it's usually going to a facility of some sort right either your home right. or your office or a school or or what have you right hospitals all you know and so, um, from the from the consumption side of energy, but real estate is a is a big big deal. Wow,
0: that is that is really great information to know, and I'm looking forward to uh, using your product. I hope at Horizons. So. Yeah, and
2: and the good news about the real estate thing, though, is is the buildings is that we know how to reduce energy use, we know how to re- reduce emissions, and I'm sure your listeners have, you know, changed the light bulb from incandescent to fluorescent and now Probably. to LED, and yeah. you know that insulation works and a the more efficient refrigerator or, or heating and air conditioning helps. So these are things we know how to do. Um, and it's really a question of having capital, right? Either your own personal capital or investment capital come in that says, okay, this will pencil out or have a return on investment after three years or five years. It's gonna be a really great long-term investment. Let's just get that investment going up front so we can benefit from it earlier rather than later.
0: Yeah, and I'm just thinking about all of the buildings that I've been in over my lifetime, probably not all of them, but you know, when I was on the, Santa Fe School Board uh, for a a charter school, it was so difficult to just change the light bulbs in all of the buildings in order to reduce energy consumption. So I think we're probably bumping up that, bumping up to that in, in a lot of government facilities or big facilities where it's like, oh, we have to go through this whole process and then decide if it's financially worth it. And then do we have the money? It can take a while. Yeah, it's, be more sustainable. Uh,
2: it, it, like like a lot of things around sustainability, we have the technologies, right? We have the solutions ready to go. It's just sometimes hard to put them in play, to deploy them, is the language that we use in sustainability certain right? To deploy and expand them, uh, and get traction of them, but. Um, as more people uh, uh, do it, people, other people see that it's uh, very viable. And so, for example, you know, LED conversions were something of a, um, that was a new thing to do five years ago. Now, most of the big commercial buildings have done that or on their way to doing that.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And if we think about water consumption too, with public restrooms and You know, I can't even tell you how many times I've walked into a public restroom and the sink water is running and you can't turn it off. (laughs) What do you do, right? So we're wasting water. And just the idea of replacing all of those water faucets in buildings, especially schools, and putting water bottle filling stations, and that will save a lot of water as well. Another
2: statistic for you, Eric, buildings consume 12% of the world's uh, fresh water. So there you go. Oh,
0: that is that is a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tell me about your your work at Vert around shareholder advocacy and the engagements that you have participated in 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 recent memory.
2: Yeah. So our mission is to, like I said, move capital from conventional to sustainable investing, and we do that with the fund. We invest only in sustainable leaders in real estate. So we're owning the the landlords, the the building owners who tend to be really good at this stuff already. But even them uh, in that community, they could do well to take the next step. We're not anywhere where we need to be in terms of reaching our climate goals or anything like that. So everyone needs to get better. And by focusing on the leaders and getting them to better, we do exactly what I talked about before. We make it easier for others to deploy those technologies. So we reach out to all the companies in the fund every year and we ask them to take the next step on sustainability. Where are you on your net zero plan? Where are you on measuring your climate risks? Where are you on uh, you know human health inside the buildings? What are you doing about indoor air quality? We ask all these types of questions. Uh, and we also reach out to uh, real estate companies that we're not invested in uh, and we tell them what all the great leaders in sustainability are doing as well and say, you know, come on in, the water's warm. <laughs> so that's the, the focus that we do on the corporate side. But there's also a whole host of things we do on the advocacy side, with the, within the industry um, and with, with with policy bodies and, and lawmakers and, and such, to try and build capacity for more sustainability, uh, both in the in the real estate industry, but also in the financial services industry. Right. So we spent a lot of time on some of these SEC and DOL rules around climate dis- risk disclosures and those types of things. Because um, what we really want is we want all of capitalism to move towards a more sustainable uh, footing, uh, and we think more disclosures can just help that.
0: Yes, yes, yes! <laughs> Cheer you on on that work. So that's Hear amazing. You. Yeah, I I love the work that our industry is doing in in terms of shareholder advocacy and the changes that that can make, and just participating, you know, on behalf of our clients, you know, so.
2: Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I think individual investors uh, sometimes miss is the investors are the, we're the owners of those companies at the end of the day, right? And what we ask for, we should get because we're the owners. And if we let Wall Street speak for us, they're going to ask things like hitting quarterly earnings figures and pennies per share and stock buybacks and things like that. But if we change the ask, right? If the invest in, investor community, that's us, says, we would like you to focus on long-term sustainable returns, using less energy, uh, creating less waste, uh, treating people better, being more just and more fair. That's what the companies will do, right? Because we're the owners. Right. Um, so we're really focused on changing the ask. And you do that by you know moving the money, but then also verbalizing that ask and saying, this is what we want to see you focus on.
0: Right. So Telling them and doing it, all all important parts, right? Exactly. That is that's great. That's great. So I want to move on to the article that you wrote recently. You do a lot of stuff um out in the public, I see, um, you know, in terms of writing here and there, which is well cool. the-
2: the, the the hurdle we think for a lot of people to move towards sustainable investing is education, right? It's still yes. new for a lot of people, and so more awareness, more podcasts like this one, right? These yeah. are the things that get people to, uh, you know the the um the light bulb to come on, if you will. Um, and there's since ESG in particular has exploded in popularity over the last couple of years, it's gotten more confusing rather than less confusing, right? <laughs>
0: Right. And I I want to just take a break real quick there and talk about the ESG versus sustainability and impact investing and and how one would look at that. Yeah. So we'll just do a little side note here. I did do a podcast on ESG versus impact and the difference between the two, but I'd love to hear your comments on that.
2: Yeah, I mean, we all are using different terms, which is unfortunate, right? Right. But I think, that, and and when I wrote I wrote a book um, on sustainable investing last year, uh, and in on the front cover of the book it says you know how to do sustainable investing, and it's we we break it into three categories: ESG, SRI, and impact. And for for the way we wrote it, ESG is looking at the companies you're investing in and looking at their environmental footprint, right, their social impact, how they treat their stakeholders effectively, and how they govern their affairs with the board and executives, right? So that's really looking at the company.
0: Right. And I call that a investment process, basically, when you're looking at ESG. And to
2: really narrow it down, you can think of ESG as just data on those companies and right. how they're doing with regards to those issues. Right? Absolutely. SRI is a traditional term that goes back thousands of years, and it's how do I feel about certain types of companies and certain types of products, and do I want to invest in them or not? Like alcohol, tobacco, gambling, pornography, uh, you know, animal welfare, abortion. There's all kinds of things, right? And so. Right. That's kind of values or, or expressing your ethics um, in your portfolio should you desire. And then impact investing is, we define it as putting catalytic capital to work in a particular project or a particular location to benefit a, a certain group of people, really solving a certain uh, environmental or social problem, right? So, and, and sometimes something
0: that is uh, making uh, change. Yeah, in, it in changes the facts out. on the
2: ground. Like I like to think of sometimes a shorthand, I call it, is a for-profit version of philanthropy, right? The purpose of the money <laughs> yeah. is to change the outcome, right? Yeah. And the difference with impact is you're using a for-profit model rather than a, a, a philanthropic model. Um, oh, but your real a, primary goal is to is to help somebody out.
0: It's right? to that's affect change, thing. yeah, and, and help yeah. someone. Great, I think that's great. So the article that you wrote um, is titled The Top Five ESG Mistakes Advisors Make. Yeah. And I thought that was super interesting. I hope all advisors are reading this. And it's also a helpful commentary for investors and just kind of getting a better understanding, right. as you said, of um, how everything works in education process. By so, the way,
2: it was hard to narrow it down to five, right? There, so. I'm
0: sure it was because <laughs> You know, again, I have talked about this on a podcast slightly different, but it was um, seven things to look at when you're choosing an advisor. And there's some similarities there in in that podcast. And I'm trying to look at my notes to see which one it was. Podcast 35. Um, So if people want a little more data than what we're sharing now, they can go back and listen to that one. So tell the listeners your narrowed down five points
2: that uh, so look, need to be doing. Yeah. <laughs> one was what we just talked about, the confusion of ESG and SRI and impact to add that in right. there. That really causes a lot of problem. That was the, the first one. First one, yeah. Second one was uh, underestimating client demand. Uh, a lot of advisors don't hear uh, clients ask uh, for it. And so they think that not, not many of them want that. That is demonstrably false.
0: And, um, and as as I noted in your article that um we advisors, whether you're doing this hundred percent or it's a part of your practice or you're transitioning to it, you have to communicate with your clients and let them know that this is what's happening or what you're interested in doing and what's available
2: yeah I mean the the I think the line I used in the article is uh, is that um advisors think that their clients don't want it because they don't ask, right but I don't go into McDonald's asking for pizza. doesn't mean I don't want pizza. It's just that I don't think McDonald's has it, right? And if right. if you as an advisor do not have on your website uh, or in your materials that you offer sustainable investing, uh, your, <laughs> your prospects and clients aren't going to ask for it. Right.
0: They they don't know if there's pizza, so they won't ask. Right. <laughs> that was a great yeah. analogy. Okay, number three was... Use ESG um, ratings.
2: Yeah, it's a, a lot of controversy around ratings, and you know, and and I guess there's a lot of uh, this is a, a new space for people to understand this. But there's nowhere in the world that I think people just take ratings at face value and say that's what it's going to be, right? I didn't I didn't move to. Uh, California, because Money Magazine said it put it, you know, the town at the top of the list of places to live, and and I don't <laughs> buy Consumer Reports, you know, best car or whatever, because like it's <laughs> it's a little more complicated than that. And similarly, in the investment world, financial advisors do not buy or they shouldn't buy a stock or a, a bond or a mutual fund because some ranking agency said this is. A high ranked and this is low ranked. That's a lot more complicated than that. And I'm not trying to make it hard. I'm just saying that don't get upset by the fact that ESG ratings don't seem to make a lot of sense and don't line up with each other because the different rating agencies are measuring different things. And you'd expect a lot of dispersion and outcomes that way. So let's not focus on that as a criticism and let's use our tried and true well-known ways of developing and building portfolios for clients as a as a methodology for building ESG portfolios as well as other types of portfolios.
0: Right. And just to your point of not using one uh, rating process because there's there's a few that are doing this in in the um, SRI and impact space ESG space, all of those things. Um, but we also have to remember in traditional investing or non-impact ESG investing, there's also a lot of different ways to look at data and gather data points. So it's not not any different than that.
2: Well, it's a, I I point out that you know, if you'd ask a Goldman Sachs analyst if Coca-Cola is a buy, hold, or a sell, let's say he says it's a it's a buy, and then you ask a JP Morgan analyst whether well, it's a buy hold or sell, he'll he'll say Coca-Cola is a sell today. Now that the two analysts <laughs> are have the same access to the same thousands of points of data. They have different opinions. So we shouldn't be surprised if you know uh, researcher A and researcher B on ESG come up with different ratings. It's no different.
0: Yeah, yeah, very true. So number four, I'm going to say, as before we start, that I'm not sure I 100% agree with this one, Sam. But convince me. Tell me more. Um, the, it, the number four was feel the need to be a sustainability expert. Yeah. So you're telling clients they don't need to be an expert
2: well here's what our oh,
0: advisors yeah
2: well i think a lot of advisors are scared of investing sustainably or or, or going on the journey because when they look at sustainable decisions in their own life, they see difficulty right? So I love to recycle and I hate plastic. And so i try to recycle plastic and I'm very confused about which of the 17 different types of plastics can be recycled. I know the answer, right? The answer is not enough of them, right? <laughs> right, right. That's, that's not a helpful answer when I'm holding, you know, these and I don't know what bin to put them in. And what I'm trying to uh, share in this part of is that, yes, we need expertise and sustainability. We need that. We need much more of it. Um, But the advisor doesn't have to be the repository of all that expertise, right? They can lean on experts in the portfolio management and the investment management space who are then leaning on experts in the research space and the scientific space. Um, but the advisor itself, uh, him or herself, need to be experts in dealing with their client and making a portfolio that's fit for the client. And a lot of advisors have good experience in that, right? right. They tilt their clients' portfolios to international or to value stocks or to small cap stocks, um, and they can tilt their clients' portfolios to sustainability and say, okay, this is too far. It might create some tension with their financial goals, or this is not far enough. It might create them to be too worried about some of the uh, bad companies in their portfolio. And that design process, uh, which is the most critical, I think, for advisors with regards to sustainability, most advisors have some experience with. So I'm trying to convince them that they have some of the expertise that they need and they can lean on uh, others for the rest of it.
0: Okay, I can get along with that piece. You know, we we should all lean on each other for for experience and expertise in different areas. So that that I do agree with. I just want to say on this that I think an advisor who wants to participate with their clients investing uh, sustainably, ne- they need to have some sort of background in that area. Um, we all do a lot of training for the financial pieces in this world um, but there's not as much training on the ESG space as we'd like. Um, US siF of which I'm a board member just remind people that, that does have a training program for advisors and they also have a a, a quick easy do it on on online um, process for investors to get a little more savvy on on how all of this works so a little bit of background and just a little bit of expertise, I think, is helpful. I'd I, I prefer more expertise. So, yeah, okay, um, good.
2: <laughs> I sit on the USF Education Committee and teach uh, that fundamental course. And my co-founder, Sarah, is also uh, a teacher of that course. Um, she's also a professor at the, uh, chartered, uh, the CSRIC course, which is the, oh. the Chartered Socially Responsible Investment Counselor course. So we think that advisors really do need to Um, get some expertise. And we're glad that there are now courses like these that they can um, get schooled up on.
0: Yes. Very helpful as our industry has expanded over. I mean, I've been doing this 25 years and the expansion of our industry has been phenomenal.
2: Well, um, you learned it all through experience with yeah.
0: these courses
2: until a couple of years ago, right?
0: <laughs> right. Uh, so. I was like, do I need to take these? Because everybody's going to be looking for these certifications. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I could teach it. So I don't know what you yeah. should take it. <laughs> but, I think they'll and, be a
2: bit basic for you. But, you know. Yes,
0: yes, that's true. And your last one on here was um, think about... Separately managed accounts, is that required? Is it not, you know, can you do it without that? Can I
2: Can I, can I do another restaurant analogy here? Uh, um, sure.
0: Whatever works.
2: <laughs> Most people, right, when you go into a restaurant, especially like a fine dining establishment, will eat off the menu, right? And you might say, okay, well, I'm allergic to nuts or, you know, I need to change this or something like that. <clears throat> they generally trust the chef to uh, create a really good meal for them. Um, and now I think most people can do the same with a sustainable investment portfolio. And then there'll also be a group of people who will very much want to customize it. Um, and my point in this last one is that I think most people, when they go to a restaurant, they order off the menu, at least in fine dining establishments, right? Maybe not at the pizza parlor, but. (laughs) In in nicer establishments, they tend to trust the chef who put together uh, a certain menu with all the ingredients in the right proportions and what have you. And there's certainly going to be people who say, I'm allergic to nuts or I can't have shellfish or what have you, Um, but a a majority of people will, will order off the menu. Now, I'm not saying sustainable investing is exactly like that, but a lot of people, uh, have the idea that they would just like their, the companies that they invest in to do better for people and planet in their pursuit of profit. They want wholesale change. They want the you know capitalism to be fair, capitalism to be cleaner, companies to be doing better, and the whole world to work towards a more sustainable, sustainable outcomes. Um, there are also people, of course, who will need a custom portfolio. Um, But it's not everyone. And so what I'm saying there to advisors is you're going to have some clients who want a separately managed account and a custom portfolio tuned to their specific desires. But there will be plenty of uh, of your clients who can use mutual funds and ETFs um, and can use even a model portfolio.
0: Right. That's that's a really good point. And, you know, not everyone needs that highly customizable portfolio in terms of what we call a separately managed account. At Horizons, we ha- we do have a number of portfolio options for clients that are mutual funds and you know ETFs and a combination of that in a in a wide variety of allocations so that we can find something that fits most people with a little bit of tweaking, right? Um and but, you
2: know that's a you're a little bit more advanced than most We of are advisors, absolutely gonna right? so have. The most financial advisors if they start with i have conventional and i have organic another food analogy right yes. That's
0: that's i am that's gonna good be good enough so for hungry. now yeah i'm gonna be so uh, hungry and eventually you
2: can become you know like a, a an organic co-op like you where you have lots of different ranges of options
0: were you in the food service industry before no i just, <laughs> I just you, you
2: know, just know what like happened food. i was writing um this book and i ran every chapter by my mother who's not a sophisticated investor
0: yeah. um and
2: ways that I kept uh, finding to explain things to her was through uh through mm. food analogies so I tended to to use that's, that so I'll tell you the story real quick my mom uh when when we've had our ch- first children this is now back in 2008 we would go visit my mother she started to get worried about how she cooked for us. And I was like, mom, you, you're a wonderful cook. What's the, why are you concerned? She's like, well, you guys like that organic food now. I don't know how to cook that stuff. And I said, (laughs) mom, take your same menu plan, your same shopping list, go to the same grocery store, buy the same stuff. But when it says conventional bread and organic bread, get the organic stuff. If they have it, if they don't get the regular stuff, bring it home, cook it up and we'll be happy. She's right. like, oh, that's easy. I can do that. And yeah. I said, well. Oh. Or-
0: organic green beans are not that much different than a regular green bean. They're going to taste and, better in my experience, but yes.
2: <laughs> and hopefully they don't one. cost yeah. too much more. And, right. and that's kind <laughs> of what I was saying. Sustainable investing can be like that, right? To Grab an ESG uh, mutual fund or ETF off the shelf rather than the conventional one you know, and you'll be on your way to a sustainable investment program.
0: Right. Absolutely. And I, um, I actually do like the food analogies. I think it is easy for the majority of people to, to pick up on, on the nuances of how it all works. Um, great. I loved this article, honestly, and I think it is, I think you could tweak it just a tiny bit and, and make it about consumers. And not just advisors so right you know yeah it's yeah. great well i do want to talk about the book real quickly before we wind up um i wanted to give you the opportunity to share a little bit more about the book and and why advisors and individual investors should should buy it
2: yeah i mean it's a it's a uh i would i would say it's a it's a starter text but also a resource for investors because there's a couple of parts to uh, the book. One, it just sets out some terminology and some basics um, so that people can understand sustainable investing better. Right? Yeah. And I think that serves the individual investor and also serves the advisor. But my co-author, Larry Swedro, who's written like, I think 17 books now on very uh, complicated financial planning and investment management topics, um, he wrote the research chapter on the performance of sustainable investing and on the impact of sustainable investing. And there he cites a lot of academic research papers. So there's a a a, a, a base of evidence that the book is is uh, uh, the stands as the foundation for the book's conclusions. And we're we're tr- we're not trying to come out as, you know su- super enthusiastic. Uh, every dollar has to be invested in sustainable investing or super critical. Um, none of it should be, what we're trying to do is lay out the facts so everyone can make their own decisions and decide if ESG investing or SRI investing or impact investing, which of those or all of those is appropriate for them or not. Um, that is,
0: that is a great help for people who don't understand finance very well.
2: Yeah. Um, and so, uh, You know, you can get it on Amazon um, (laughs) and uh, don't forget (laughs) to write a positive review. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Leave a review. Let everyone know. What's the title again? Share it with the listeners.
2: Uh, Your Essential Guide to Sustainable Investing. Right. And uh, myself, Sam Adams, Adams. and Larry Suedro. Yeah.
0: So they can look those up. Great. Well, Sam, I just love having a conversation with you. It's so interesting and helpful and really down to earth. and, And I enjoy that. I'm going to ask Eric if he has any questions for us.
1: Well, <clears throat> I learn a ton on these podcasts, and Sam, I, I want to return the favor. Um, I like stats and data and, and and facts. So, if you want a McPizza, get pizza from McDonald's. <laughs> there's one location left in the United States that does serve pizza, and that is in Orlando, Florida. So, anybody going to oh Orlando, God. Florida, there is yeah, it used to be 500 locations. They did it away with it, except for Orlando. The McPizza lives.
0: Huh, that wow. is so interesting. Well, there you go, right? <laughs> I love it when I have a, a, a in, you know a, a guest on, and they talk about certain things, and then you're back there looking up this stuff <laughs> to share with us. Like, oh, no, I I'm... want pizza from McDonald's, and so I'm going to fly to Orlando and get it.
1: That doesn't sound environmentally friendly to me. Kim, <laughs> no, to to fly all the way not. just for a McPizza. Yeah, <laughs> wonder, and, wonder, and, wonder, and if you look if that... up the pictures, I'm just this is just my personal opinion. It looks terrifyingly what? bad.
0: What were you going to say, Sam?
2: <laughs> I wonder if that McDonald's does better than other McDonald's because it has pizza on the menu. Uh,
0: mm, I, I don't know. It could. Just, Every, yeah. Everybody would be happy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> If
1: you look at it, it's just a little scary looking. And I, I think a lot of I don't want to see it. Yeah. There, no, I'm not going to share the screen or anything. But uh, I think the other main reason <laughs> that it went away is the Hamburglar was upset. He's just like, I don't do pizza.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Could have been him. <laughs> Influence right there.
0: We don't even see the Hamburglar anymore. I don't, I mean.
1: No, not so much. It was
0: like a thing. We have enough criminals on
1: TV with politicians. So we don't need the Hamburglar Uh, on Don't
0: go down that (laughs) road.
1: Don't. Okay. Yes, ma'am. This is your podcast. (laughs) All right. you know, And and honestly, I I don't have a whole lot of questions besides the fact that you you already said you can get the book on Amazon. Um, I think that you guys are doing both doing amazing work. So Sam, again, thank you so much for being on the show.
0: Yes, I appreciate you being on the show, Sam. And I also want to remind listeners if they want to look at their portfolios with a little more of a critical eye and want the assistance of a financial advisor, Horizon Sustainable Financial Services is here to help you. You can reach myself or Johan if you email info at horizonssfs.com or give us a call on the phone if you still actually use a phone to call people. (laughs) You're not texting. Uh, 505-982-9661. And we would love to hear from you.
1: Absolutely. And Sam, again, thank you so much for being on the show. Kim, thank you for facilitating such an amazing show. And our last thank you always goes to the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Camilla Grego-Kyle. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Kim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask you to share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review, as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day, every day. And we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Griego-Kyle. The Sustainable Responsible Impact Investing Podcast reminding you that it's time to invest like you give a damn. If you have questions about this podcast or topics you'd like to hear addressed on an upcoming podcast, please email me at kim at griego-kyle.com. That's G-R-I-E-G-O hyphen K-I-E-L dot com. Or give Horizons a call at 505 982 9661, and be sure to ask for Johan Klaassen. Don't forget to click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available, and to share this podcast with colleagues, friends, and family. The companies I may speak about during the podcast are not recommendations for investment. Only you and your financial advisor can determine what the right investments are for you. Kimberly Griego-Kyle, produces this podcast on behalf of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, Inc. is a registered investment advisor registered with the SEC. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, Inc. and its financial professionals do not render tax or legal advice. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, Inc. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. None of this content may be used or duplicated without the express written agreement of the podcast host.